Welcome to the Everything EC Podcast. I'm your host, Carla Ward, and today I have Renee August from the Montana Association for the Education of Young Children joining me to talk about our childcare crisis. Renee has been working in early childhood for 25 years, everywhere from being an assistant teacher in a Head Start classroom, a teacher in private childcare programs, and a director. She has a dual bachelor's degree in early childhood education and elementary education as well as a master's degree in early childhood education, leadership and advocacy from the Erickson Institute. Welcome to the show, Renee. I am so excited that we get to talk about a very, very critical topic in our careers, and that is the childcare crisis. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited. So before we dive into our very important topic, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do in early childhood? Okay. So um, I am currently the executive director for the Montana Association for the Education of Young Children. I know, mouthful, every time I introduce myself, I'm like, wait for it, wait for it. <laughs> uh, so or M-T-A-E-Y-C as we call it too here in Montana. And we are an affiliate of the National Association for the Education of Young Children, or NAYC, NACI, however you go about that. So I also am a manager for a childcare for a corporation here in Montana. So I get to kind of be dual roles in the early childhood world here. No kidding. And we're definitely going to talk about our MTA. Yep, there we go your conference that's coming up in October that I'm actually going to be coming to and speaking at. So we'll make sure that we talk more about that. But let's touch on definitely your role as a manager because you oversee, like you have a huge team, don't you? Yes. So I manage, again, uh, child care for a large corporation here in Montana with a staff of 40 under me. And then we are licensed for up to 204 children to take care for. <laughs> so yes. Holy moly. We're like a small little school of our own here. No kidding. And you have a wait list, I'm assuming. I do. We have, we are telling families anywhere from eight months to a year and a half, depending on how old their child is. And our program is exclusively for the corporation that we're under. So you have to be a, an employee of that corporation to be able to have your child in this program. So again, that waiting list is just for that corporation. Wow. Yes. And so what do people do with an eight month to a year and a half? Like how, like this is what forms our childcare crisis mm-hmm. is what is the trickle effect of having a long wait list like that? And it's hard. Um, some people end up finding another place, you know, locally that they can do. They find a neighbor, a grandparent, aunt, uncle, a family friend, somebody to be able to watch. We've actually had some people leave the workforce because they're like, well, it's just easier for me to stay home and not have to worry about fighting to pay for that childcare or to, you know, even find childcare. And I would say you could probably call at least 10 child care facilities in our same area. And they're probably all going to tell you they have a wait list of that long. Yeah. And the trickle effect is huge. And then you start having the discussion as to whether or not it's going to be putting children at risk, because if you can't get into a quality child care program, 
and you have to work, do you, unfortunately, at no fault of your own, land up making compromises for your Mm -hmm. child's care? Yes. I mean, we're already seeing it after the pandemic with children that are now three, four years old and what that looked like, you know, in their development of being home for so long and then coming back into the childcare world. So the developmental delays we're seeing already. So absolutely. And I, I just, and this is where I get so frustrated when we're talking about this before (laughs) we hit record. This is where I get so frustrated at the lack of respect we get as early childhood Mm -hmm. educators, because the world needs childcare. The world needs early childhood education. I think back to, you know, how Reggio started, right? Mm -hmm. In Reggio Amelia. That started out right after the war. And I want to say World War II, but I might be making up which war. But it started out because there were so many children that had lost their parents. So they created this community to support the children. And Mm -hmm. this theory developed and it was beautiful and it was magical. But we have needed childcare forever. Children need quality care. And I'm not saying they don't get that with their grandparents. I'm not saying they don't get that with, you know, their neighbor next door. There are some incredible grandparents out there that, you know, former ECEs who are now grandparents that are doing amazing things. My grandmother was one of them. Mm-hmm. But we can't assume that a child is getting the collaboration, the creativity, the socialization by staying home, right? And mm-hmm. they need childcare. Definitely. They need that peer interaction. They need, you know, social socialization, the education that they're getting, you know, just talking about this last night, you know, I always get parents say, oh, well, they just play. Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) Let me tell you what they're doing when they're playing. And we talked about, I was like, well, when they're playing in, you know, the block center, they're learning geometry. I don't personally like geometry, but guess what? We're teaching three, four, two-year-olds five-year-olds, you know, toddlers, geometry by playing with blocks and the shapes of the blocks and the, you know, all the different things. So it really just when parents or anybody just says, oh, well, they just play. No, there's a lot to that play. Yes. Well, and I'm sure for you being attached to a corporation, you do fight against that stigma of babysitting versus care, right? Mm -hmm. Because they need to work for the corporation. So therefore they need care for their child. So I, I'm sure you are fighting that battle on a daily oh, basis. Yes. yes. And and again, it goes back to that, you know, professionalism. We, you know, in order to be recognized as professionals, we have to really prove what we do on a daily basis. And, you know, whether that's, you know, teaching geometry through block play or, you know, patterns through a circle time calendar or, you know, we do a lot of the potty training for families. We do... A lot of, you know, just different day-to-day things with children that, you know, the parents are missing out. And and I feel that that was one thing. I always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. That was my dream thing. I was going to be a kindergarten teacher and a stay-at-home mom. I don't know how that was going to work, but that was going to be my job, you know. And, and after having kids, I stayed home with them, my daughter, for about six months. And I was like, I, I can't do this. <laughs> I'm good. I'm going back to work. I'll go work and I'll go help somebody else and educate their children as they go back to work. So, um, you know, and I, same thing with my son. I stayed home for a little bit and was like, again, I this isn't me. I'm not a stay-at-home mom. So 
kudos to all those who can stay at home and do. But, you know, and it's just all the little things, you know, the parents miss out on as their children are in childcare. But, and we get to see that and, you know, be joyous of those things when they finally do. I remember my daughter when she was in childcare and she started walking and the teacher didn't tell me. And finally at home, she started walking and I went back on Monday and I was like, oh my gosh. And she's like, oh, finally, she's been doing it here. for." <laughs> and I was like, well, you could have told me. Oh and she's like, gosh. no, 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 I didn't want you to miss out on that. And I was like, oh, thank you. Um, you know, so it's just, it's one of those vicious cycles, you know, parents have to work to be able to afford things, but yet you you miss out on all of the things with, especially with infants and toddlers as they go through all those developmental stages so fast. But yet we get the joy of being able to teach those moments and, you know, bringing them to life and sharing them with families as they go through all of those developmental milestones. So absolutely, (laughs) which is a perfect reason as to why our job is so important, because being a parent is the most important job, Mm -hmm. like 100 percent, like that should be the that is your number one priority. It doesn't have to mean that you're doing it 24 seven. That's why mm-hmm. childcare is so great, but that's what makes childcare so great and why it needs to be treated respectfully because we're not asking parents to prove their professionalism when they drop their child off at our center, nor would, right? we, nor would we ever, right? We're not asking you to prove us, prove to us that you're a professional parent or, mm-hmm. you know, you're a professional lawyer. We're not asking that. We're asking you to trust us with your child and treat us with respect. Yeah. Right. But yeah, you know, for us to be treated with that respect in a sense, and, and this is just in childcare in general, I feel, is in order to do that, we have to prove so much to those families and, you know, to legislators and to anybody else that says, oh, well, they just go and they play all day or you're, you just babysit my kids so I can go to work. Or, you know, it's just one of those, it's like, no, it's like, I have just as much education as some of the parents do, if not more. And I'm just like, but this is what I chose to do with my life. This is the career I chose. I, again, wanted to be a kindergarten teacher. I got into college, started out with elementary ed, ended up in early childhood. And I said, I started in Head Start and said, I'm staying with the littles. I didn't want to go to public school. (laughs) I didn't want to be that kindergarten teacher. I I stayed with the preschool age and even younger. And I taught one-year-old classrooms. And it's just one of those things that you just evolve. And and I'm in it for the passion, obviously. Not so much what we get paid, but (laughs) it's what what I am. And, And it's hard for me because I see this field dwindling so much because it isn't a highly paid field. And, you know, I just went back and got my master's degree in early childhood. And people are like, why'd you do that? You know, did you need it for your job? And I said, no, it was just a personal choice that I decided to do. And it was something I love to learn. I love to continue to learn. And and that's why I did it. So that is so awesome. And you've just pointed out like almost the second tier of this childcare crisis. So we've got not enough quality spaces. And then even if we opened a ton of childcare centers, which is what's about to happen or in Ontario here, well, now you've gotten pissed off some of the ECEs because you're not paying Mm -hmm. us enough. So we've gone and found other careers. So now you've gone and opened these spots and you don't have anybody to fill them. 
Exactly. We're we're struggling here. And as I the last couple of years, our our local chamber of commerce, they've been, you know, working on like what how do we get more spots? How do we fill, you know, open more spots? How do we open more child cares? How many and I said, you know, I said, time out, time out. I said, you can open all the child cares you want. You can open as many spots as you want. You don't have the people to work them. I said, especially when, you know, here in Montana, our average childcare employee makes $10.99 an hour. That's average. But you can go to Target, Taco John's, Wendy's, McDonald's, and make $18 to $20 an hour. It's and not same. have the stress of all of the things that come with taking care of somebody else's child and educating somebody else's child that, you know, educators do have. And I can go to work at, you know, Taco John's or Target and have a, you know, very simple job, leave the job at the end of the day, go home and not have to worry about, okay, what if so-and-so calls out tomorrow? What if, you know, this child is still sick or I get sick or, you know, all those things we have to think about as caregivers or, oh, what lesson plans? Oh, that didn't work. What's next? How do they occupy 20 children and, you know, in one classroom, if this doesn't, activity I have planned doesn't work. And so that's, that's, or you get, and, you know, thrown up on or whatever. 100%. Else well, and half of those jobs that you just listed come with benefits. Yeah. Right. And not that, not that we're trying to deter anybody from our field, please, for the yeah. love of everything no, state. No, no. But the reality is that until mm-hmm. politicians figure out and I really I really thought that COVID was going to be the eye opener mm-hmm. because child cares they did not get a the respect we that they deserved during workers. COVID. We were but the backbone of the workforce. <laughs> a thousand percent. You could not be a frontline worker and not have child care for your kids. Yeah. Child care needed to happen during COVID. And I really thought that that was going to be the thing that propelled us forward. And Maybe it was two steps forward, but I still feel like it was five steps back and something has to change. I saw, and unfortunately they're going about it the wrong way. I saw eight job postings yesterday for eight different community centers and they're asking for early childhood educators, but they're also, one of their requirements is that you have to be 15, 16 years old. Well, I remember me at 15, 16 years old. Now, granted, I taught Sunday school every Sunday. And I was a babysitter and I was responsible for one child, but I could definitely not have handled a whole room of 24 preschoolers with me and my friend. I could tell you that right now. No, no. Yeah, yeah. that it's insane. You know, I have three daughters and my oldest one has taken into the early childhood field. My youngest one, she just went off to college this week and she said, I'm not doing that. I, you can't. She goes, I'll dog sit. I'll do anything, but don't put me with kids. So even at 18, you know, being that responsible, I, she's like, nope, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, is that something has to change and it's going to have to change soon because oh, yes. what's going to land up happening is we're going to have people leaving the workforce. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and not just early childhood educators leaving the workforce, people who we need to be, you know lawyers, doctors that are going to be leaving the workforce because they need to be home with their children because they can't find care. And I feel like I'm saying something loaded and feel free to DM me if I offend somebody, but I feel like it's going to be the women that are going to be the ones leaving the workforce. And I feel like we're going to be taking 20, 
30 years back into the progress that we've made if we don't see some progress very soon. Yes, definitely. You know, and and I the area I work in, you know, we see it in healthcare. It's the healthcare employees that are leaving the work field, the workforce to take care of kids because they have no childcare, you know, and and that's the hard part, you know, when you start getting into that, the healthcare sector and you're like, "Oh, we don't have enough doctors. We don't have enough nurses. We can't yeah. do our jobs. They can't do their jobs. And and so that's where it's really going. I think you're right. You're going to see a lot of women saying, well, I'll just stay home. And because the men make more money, <laughs> it goes back to that. And, you know, and it, it going with that, you know, I was just reading here in Montana, we have a an organization. It's called the Montana Budget and Policy Center. And they had a post on Facebook, which just kind of like, I mean, I don't know why it shocks me anytime I read anything in early childhood anymore, but it did. And I'm going to read this because I want to make sure I say it right. They had on their Facebook post, it said, according to the new kids count data book, childcare pay is lower than the compensation of 98% of professionals, despite the virtual role these workers play in preparing the next generation to thrive. That's disgusting. That is disgusting. Yeah, because who's preparing people to be doctors, lawyers, teachers? Hello. Professional athletes. What is, there's a song out on the country radio station, too, that I heard the other day, and I was like, I like this song. I think it's like the second sentence of the song. He says, teachers deserve doctor and lawyer pay. And I was like, 100%. Hello. 100%. Who are you? <laughs> Because your doctors and lawyers can't go to work without ECEs. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be created without ECEs. I don't understand why it's taking so long. I will say Ontario does make more than $10 an hour. We make, I think it's 18 now. Oh, wow. But our cost of living is absolutely insane. Well, McDonald's pays $20 an hour. Mm -hmm. So again, work at McDonald's, get full benefit. Thank you very much. Clock in, clock Mm -hmm. out. But... It all comes back to, and I think this is why so many of us do stay in our field, is we love working with children. We know we're making a difference. And at the end of the day, it sounds so morbid, but we're all going to die, right? And at the end of your life, you want to know that you've made a difference, or at least I know for me, right? Mm -hmm. Like that, like, what is your legacy? When you, is your legacy that, you know, that you supported students? Was it that, you know, for a doctor that you helped so many patients or for Mm -hmm. somebody who drives the garbage truck that you helped keep your city clean? Everybody Mm -hmm. has the opportunity to make a difference. Yeah. And so does, you know what, and so do the people that, you know, work behind our fast food restaurants. They, you know, make sure that people get fed. But I know for me that 18 years in this field, I am still very proud to be an early childhood educator because I know that I'm making a difference. Right. right? And there have been times over the years, it's like I thought, oh, maybe I'll go do something else. And it brings me right back to where I'm at. So again, I'm with you. I, this is where I'm going to end. This is going to be my my legacy is early childhood, and I'm going to do. And you know, and, and that we going back to where we started with this is if there's no federal backing financially in early childhood, it's going to die. It's it is. I mean, I sat in two. I was back in February. I went to Washington, D.C. and met with our state legislators that are there. I went through NAYC does their public policy forum every February. And so 
I went, we do, you know, we talk about some stuff and then we all get the chance to meet with our state representatives in DC. And so I was meeting with one of our representative staffers. He wasn't available at the time. And so his staffer was there and we were talking and I said, you know, just about the childcare, like Montana in general, we have a lot of childcare deserts where there are areas that are populated, but there's no regulated childcare facilities. And so what does that look like? And then we talked about the wages and we talked about, you know, what it would mean if there was federal, you know, buy-in and, and backing and all stuff. And so he was kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like I'm mm-hmm. listening. And I said, well, here, I said, here's a personal story for you. I said, again, you know, I was telling him, I said, I have two daughters who at, you know, home. And I said, my oldest went to the community college here locally. She has an associate's degree in early childhood. She works at a program, makes $11 an hour. I said, my junior in high school, she was a junior in high school at the time, makes $20 an hour at Target stocking shelves. And he goes, oh, wow, okay. And then we started talking some more. And then all of a sudden he just stops. And he looked at me and he goes, we're backing up to that conversation. He goes, so you mean to tell me that somebody stocking shelves at Target which I'm not saying isn't important. We need to stock um, our shelves stocked. He's like, but they're making more money than the people taking care of my grandchildren. And I mm-hmm. said, yes. He's like, oh, this is something we need to figure out. And I said, thank you. So I think, you know, as we talk to our legislators and I've been talking with our state legislators for three years now about what it would mean for federal investment in in child care and, and you really you get their personal and they understand it it's just I don't know I, I don't know where it stops I don't like, I don't know how it goes and I wish I just had this magic eight ball I could shake and be like how do we solve this problem and this is it is like if we think about this logically Target is able to pay their employees twenty dollars an hour because they sell product mm-hmm. that product brings them money they're able to return that money to their staff. We are not making a product, mm-hmm. but we are making and creating something so much bigger. And yes. how do you put a price on that? And jokes on us, they're not. And because it's quote unquote priceless, but $11 an hour is unacceptable. $18 an hour is unacceptable. Anything less than $30 an hour is unacceptable. Right. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where, you know, I've had people ask me, well, what do we have to do first? So like, what, what, what should we do first? And I said, well, you know, do we charge the parents more? You know, do we make them pay more so we could pay more? You know, do we, you know, professionalize the field? And then we say, oh, well, we have the same qualifications as an elementary ed teacher or a high school teacher. Then we get paid the same. You know, it's all that it really comes back to is it the chicken or the egg? How do we go first? What do we pick first? How how do we do this? You know, here in Montana, our parents are paying anywhere from it, it as an average, again, this is Montana, it, they're paying anywhere from eight thousand four hundred dollars to nine thousand five hundred dollars a month in childcare. Some pay more, some pay less. You want to know how much it costs to go to a public university in Montana? $7,500 a year. Our parents pay more for childcare than you do to send your child away for college. I am absolutely speechless on that number. Mm-hmm. Oh my Yet gosh. we have no state 
funding for childcare. We are one of six states that has no early childhood funding. Oh, wow. Okay. So yes. we now have the $10 a day childcare for families. I can't really speak to it because I haven't worked in this field since that's come like since it's come up, but I know it's an administrative nightmare because great, your parents are paying $10, but how are you paying your staff out of that? Right. But I'm shocked yeah. at the price. I yeah. we definitely do not pay that much here. I'm oh. literally Googling at the same time, trying to find a price. Like, okay, so I'm looking at my old center. And I'm looking at their preschool fees and, oh, they do daily now. Okay. Oh no. So they do $581 a month for five days of care from nine to four. Oh, and and a previous program I worked in for five days a week for an infant, it was $1,060 a month for an infant. Yes. It was like nine, nine something for a preschooler. Yeah. Toddlers are $600 a month. Yeah. Wow. And our state subsidy right now is 40, 40 something a day is what the state pays for subsidy. If you qualify based on your income. And that's where it gets tricky because Mm -hmm. you really have to like, their cutoff for need is so much lower than what it should be. Like it should be there. Yeah. But we we are in a crisis. The families are in crisis. The children are in crisis. The staff are in crisis. And mm-hmm. if people are, if we're not careful, our the country, we're in different countries, but both of our countries and worldwide will be in crisis. And I think the first step, and I've just written it down for myself, is to start, if you're in Canada, starting with your MP, which is our municipality, our, I don't even remember what it stands for right now. But yes, your person that monitors like your ward And then Mm -hmm. branching out and just getting louder and doing things like having a podcast or doing a Mm -hmm. blog. And it's not even about, because I don't think we are, but like whining about it. It's about getting in front with the facts and saying, hey, FYI, this is the comparison of price in our city. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think here, even, you know, wherever you're at in the U.S., like getting with your legislators, contacting your legislators saying, hey, like we need more, you know, and I feel like I was just talking to somebody too, that if enough businesses got together and said, hey, look, we don't have the workforce because we don't have enough investment in childcare because our families can't either afford it or find it, then maybe the legislators will start listening to those businesses and to say, hey, we, we're going to end up losing, you know, one of our Big businesses here too is a, a lumber company, and I mean we ship lumber everywhere in the in the country. Of course, yeah. You know? And so if they can't find enough workers and they can't make the lumber, who's going to suffer? The contractors. So then maybe the contractors need to step up and say, "Hey, we can't work because they we don't have the lumber, and they can't make the lumber because they don't have people to work there." And oh wait, why can't those people work there? They don't have childcare. Mm-hmm. Or they can't afford childcare. So somebody has to stay home and make it work. Yeah, it, it is. If we do not, I mean, we can't go back 10 years and change things. This problem, mm-hmm. this was a problem a long time oh, yeah. ago. And we are at that tipping point where it's going to go one way or the other. And yeah. it, it's not going to be good. 
And as you said before, I really think, you know, like you said, this has been a problem for years. I've been doing, I've been working in this field for 25 years and it's, it's been a problem. It's, it is what it is. And again, I came into it knowing I was never going to be rich. I wasn't going to be a millionaire doing my job, (laughs) but it's what I love to do. However, COVID really put a spotlight on it and said, these guys are essential. We can't do what we do without them. And then we were left behind again. Every time, every single time. Yes. So I don't know. Again, I wish I just had this magic eight ball. I could just shake and be like, how do I solve this? How do we do this? Like, you know, rule the world. And and maybe we just need some more early childhood educators running the government. (laughs) All of them. Absolutely. And I, for those of you who are listening, if you are looking for a place to start, start by taking this podcast episode and sending it off to your legislators. Mm-hmm. Get them to listen to the podcast. Start getting that conversation and write your own letters. But I know lots of people who have taken other podcast episodes and sent them off. Put it on your Instagram. Tag them. Tag your MP. Tag your premiers. Tag your, you can tell I'm Canadian because I cannot remember any of the US terms <laughs> right now. Tag your prime minister. Oh, president. There you go. Yeah. Tag your president. Like just start making some noise because. Mm-hmm. We don't want to see early childhood continue to suffer in the way it is, but we also don't want to see our family suffer, our children suffer, that something has to change for sure. Right. Right. It definitely, it can't can't fall back on the parents to pay more so we can make more. Um, You know, I always hear too that, oh, well, you charge this much, you know, per kid, you should be making the money. And I'm like, let me break it down for you. I was like, so at the end of the day, we're negative, you know, or we're just making, you know, the bare minimum that we need to make, or maybe we made $5 for the day. But it's like when you when you really break it down the cost, and that cost of care and what it costs to, you know, feed children, you know, supplies, the the, the, yeah, the rent for the building, the utilities, your employees like when in you know the insurance people don't realize you have to pay insurance like not just health care insurance but you got to pay payroll taxes you got to pay workman's comp you got to pay all of those things that are like people don't think about like and all they see is oh you charge 60 dollars a day per kid and you have 200 kids wow you guys are making a lot of money and we don't charge 60 dollars a day but no. <laughs> No, I, I get people that say that. Well, you guys charge this much an, an hour. And I'm like, well, I wish we charged. I had one legislator say, well, you charge $40 an hour. And I'm like, I wish we charged $40 an hour. No, we charge maybe that a day in some places, but that is not an hourly rate. And, and so it's just breaking it down for them. And even, you know, I've had parents, I've had to break that down too, because they look at it and like, oh my gosh, $50 a day. That's a lot of money. And I'm like, okay. But most facilities are open 10 hours a day. So that's $5 an hour. Plus we feed your child two meals and a snack. So that again, and then, you know, so I'm like, if you can find somebody to watch your child at your home and that will bring their own food to feed your child and pay your utilities while they're at your house for $5 a day, an hour, go for it. Go for it. (laughs) 
Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And listen, I'm not saying that $50 yeah. is not a lot for a parent to pay out of pocket, 100%, right? right? Oh, yeah. And that's the and that's where this crisis continues, mm-hmm. right? And that's why we're using the word crisis. This isn't a mm-hmm. challenge. This isn't a problem. Yeah. We are so past problem time. Like oh, we are okay. in crisis mode. Yeah. We kept saying, you know, oh, we need to be paid a livable wage. Now we just need to be a paid a thriving wage. Like we, we, we're past livable now. We can't even do that. We need to thrive. We need to be able to stay, sustain it, you know. And that was one thing, you know, here in the U.S. and in Montana, I can speak for us more, is with all the COVID relief funds, you know, that we got. Montana got a lot of money thrown at them. Child care providers were getting money like here, 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 you know, and we had these grants that were given to us to help um, sustain us. They lasted a year. There's programs that are going to start closing because that money has now done, you know, it was enough to sustain them for a year, but not enough to sustain them long term. And that's the part where we need to focus on is that long term. It's not what we can do right now. Because I think most of us have figured out how to survive right now. It's how do we do it 10 years from now? How do we do it even five years from now? How do we even do it three years from now? You know, and keep that going because I can see a lot of programs starting to close doors. Which is so sad. And that's just going to enhance that crisis piece because now you've got parents who had childcare, who Mm -hmm. got jobs. And Mm -hmm. now they've got to make that decision. So not just whether or not they're going to take a job, but whether or not they quit their job. And that is going to be very, I mean, it's going to be heartbreaking for everybody, right? Because you're taking a child away from their friends, away from their teachers, away from their home, away from home. Mm -hmm. And now they're going to be home with mom or dad or grandma or grandpa all day, which is great at the beginning, but where's that stimulation, right? And it's not fair to put that on the parents either. Mm -hmm. So no, something absolutely has to give. And I am on that lovely note, though, I am so excited to come to Montana in October. So can uh, you tell us about <laughs> the conference? Oh, yes. So um, one of our big things that we do for Montana Association for the Education of Young Children, or MTAYC, um, as I usually call it, <laughs> uh, we hold an annual early childhood conference every year in October. We hold it. Our public schools also have a conference Every October, it's actually in our legislative laws that they have to be closed on the third Thursday and Friday of every October for professional development. So we've piggybacked off that and we offer a two and a half day conference for early childhood. So birth through third grade, we even go to fifth grade. And so a lot of our schools, teachers can attend, a lot of Head Starts that attend, child cares. You know, we, a lot of our child cares close those two days because they don't have as many kids with parents staying home already. So we do this year, we're doing it a little differently where Thursday we have an all day training session with conscious discipline. Then Friday, you're going to be there as our keynote. Yes, Yay, I I'm so excited. excited. Um, and then we have three different general sessions times that we're offering. And each one of those has about five different classes or trainings you can pick from. And then we have two of those on Saturday. So Saturday morning, we have two general sessions where we have some different options of trainings you can pick from. And they're ranging all the way from, you know, childcare providers, teachers, and even we have some courses that are geared more towards the owners or supervisors or directors, you know, the admin part of it. We also have 
a group coming in and doing some on, you know, childcare business. What does that look like if you're looking to start a childcare business? How can they, you know, how how does that work? What what do you need to look at? And you know, <laughs> I feel like we didn't really sell that one today. <laughs> <laughs> right? right? I know. It's I sound like a Debbie Donner when I talk about early childhood, but I'm like, really? but we it's love it. It's a wonderful thing, and I love doing my job. I promise you. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, it's it's just, it's great. It's October 19th through the 21st in Billings, Montana. So super excited. And I was so excited when you put in your thing. I did have to say that I little I did a little fan geeking a little bit because I've listened to your podcast and then you sent in a proposal and I was like, oh my gosh, guys, look, she does a podcast. She's like famous. <laughs> she wants to come to our little tiny conference that we do. Oh my gosh, you're so sweet. And I'm just, I'm so pumped. I know that you have been working around the clock for this. You have put so much of your time and effort. And I just, I know that this is going to be an incredible event. I will make sure that all the links for the event are below this podcast for anybody who wants to come out and join us because it's going to be rock star. We're going to make Montana Early Childhood Conference go international. Yes, (laughs) I love it. I'm there. So thank you, Renee, so much for coming on today. And I will see you in less than two months. I know. It's crazy. It is crazy how close it's getting. No, it's <laughs> wild. So thank you so much for yes, coming on. Thank you and for I will having see- me. Yeah.